What defines a family? Is it the people we're related to? The people we live with? The people we laugh and dance with? Or the people who know us best? What if a family is more than that? More than just our parents and siblings? What if it's not just the bloodline that connects us to our past? by the community that helps shape our future. A family that values experiencing the wholeness only found through Jesus. A family that will be known for expressing love and truth, embodying radical hospitality, and a common vision to see the whole community be whole in Christ. Someone in my role, there is a part of hiring new staff members that requires a very delicate sense of balance. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm having to walk on a tightrope. That's a good thing. I'm not complaining at all. I'm just kind of peeling back the curtain and letting you see behind and see in the process a little bit. Um, you know, there, there is the sense when you try to attract a new staff member to a church this size where you, you are kind of walking a tightrope, but it, I'm, I'm not, I, I want to be clear here, you know, we're, we're in the process of looking for a new uh, worship minister, so continue your prayers. Grateful for my friend Kyle, I was able to come up from Missouri and lead for us last week. He's actually going to be back a few more times this summer, so we're excited about that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really talking about trying to find a worship minister who can kind of strike that balance between um, leading us in worship in a way that's fresh and contemporary, but still rooted in the history of the church. And, and I'm not really talking about someone who can connect with, with who we already have, but who will help us reach who we need to reach. Um, those are real things, real tensions, but no, what I'm talking about is, is how to accurately portray our community and our church to a potential candidate. And that tension is tough. It's hard. It's just tough when you're trying to attract a new staff person to be part of your, your congregation because the temptation is to present all the good stuff and leave out the hard stuff, right? That's what you want to do. I mean, you, you want, it's, it's tempting to do that and say, oh, there's all these great ministries going on, and Indy's such a great place to live, and it's awesome, and we want to do that, right? And if you don't also say the hard stuff, then like six months later, they're like... You lied to me, right? Because this stuff gets hard, right? But this, in the same way, there's this temptation where, you know, if all you talk about is crime and poverty and spiritual apathy and hard-heartedness, you're going to have a lot fewer people to talk to. Um, and, and so there's this difficulty of kind of being in this, this middle place. There are great things about living here. It didn't take any divine arm twisting six and a half years ago to, for God to, you know, get Debbie and I to come to Indianapolis. Now, great, cool. But my, my impression of the city was basically formed by the Children's Museum, the zoo, and downtown for the North American Christian Convention, you know. And so it was just like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's go to Indy. Cool, you know. And then about three weeks after living here, I'm, I'm talking to Deb, I'm like, there are sirens every day. I don't, we, we, can, we moved here from rural Illinois. I don't remember hearing sirens that often. Like, it was, it was a, like an event. I mean, it made the town news, like something happened, right? And now it's just, I don't remember a day that I didn't hear them. 
And, and it's, there's just this tension. There are some great things about living here. There are some hard things about living here. And so trying to portray that accurately to a new person coming in, maybe from uh, out of town or out of state, is, is difficult. There's tension there. And I would ask you to continue your prayers that God would enable us to bring the right person at the right time. I don't know. I'm talking like you don't understand this and maybe you don't get the specifics, but I know that you feel this tension. I know that you do. You experience the tension of, of living in, I think, what is one of the greatest cities in America. For crying out loud, you live in America. That's awesome, right? But we live here at a time when secularism and crime and poverty are on the rise. There's tension. We feel kind of pulled. So what I'm going to do today is press home the constriction of that tension. But I'm also going to give you hope. Because I believe that the vision that God has given us is the best hope we have to find a resolution to that tension. So open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now if you've been with us for the last several weeks, you're like, didn't he just preach on that like three or four weeks ago? Yes. But we didn't, get, we didn't drain it. We didn't cover everything. We're going, to try, we're going to drain it today. We're going to try to get the rest of those things. All right? And, and I want to lift out something that I didn't talk about uh, last time. We're concluding a series today called Family Values. Hopefully when you came in, you know, you got a, a sticker, right? So with our vision on it, the whole community, whole in Christ. Uh, I know that some of you, uh, I want, I want <laughs> Eden, I'm thinking of you, my daughter. She's got this stainless steel insulated water bottle with stickers all over it, right? So... Hey, got there. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> so just, I'm a ninja. Um, no. <laughs> but it's, it, it's just, it's a reminder, right, of the vision, right? The whole community, whole in Christ. Now that vision is really just a slogan. Those six words are kind of a sloganized expression of something that's way, way, way bigger, and you can see that in your, your booklet. Hopefully you grab that. If you didn't get a copy of this booklet that goes along with the series, for those of you watching online, Zach is going to throw a link in the chat where you can download it, okay? Um, you can pick these up at the, the desk where the lot, or the, your offering and stuff is out in the narthex. Um, and it's just, if you didn't get one, it'd be a good way to just refresh on this series over the last couple weeks. It's designed it to go along with it. I hope you've been tracking with us. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really glad that you're here. One thing that I want to make you aware of, two weeks from today is Memorial Day weekend, all right? Historically, because of the race, Chapel Rock has had a Saturday night service, but because of 2020, 2021, everyone has kind of adapted to the online stuff. We're not doing a Saturday night service on Memorial Day weekend right? Because the online thing is available and it's, it's way better than it used to be. Uh, so that's, we're just going to have our two normal services on Memorial Day, 915 and 11, okay? But if you live, you know, east of here, if you're in Speedway, last week we talked about radical hospitality. So church, here's your chance to practice this. If you know somebody who lives that way and they get locked in, you know, for, for the race time, invite them to your house, Right? They leave, you meet them here, you get a donut, you come early enough to kind of beat the traffic, right? And then you go over to your house for lunch, and they have lunch, and you have a cookout, and you have a good time, you get to know each other. And then once all the traffic clears out, they go home, all right? So it's an opportunity to practice radical hospitality two weeks from today when we, still, we have our two normal services, okay? Today I want to talk about our vision. I want to tell you that I think it can resolve some of the tensions that we experience so that we can see the whole community whole in Christ. 
Now that phrase, like I said, is, is kind of a sloganized version of this much bigger picture that God has given us for wholeness. And, and I want to show that to you. We don't talk about this a ton. It's certainly in the back of our minds as, as staff and leaders here. But here's the, here's the big vision. Here's the whole thing. At Chapel Rock Christian Church, our hearts ache to see every broken person, and that means everybody, because we're all broken in some way by sin, every broken person experience the wholeness that is only available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only in Christ that a broken person can find wholeness. We're not, you know, we make no excuses for that. I'm not apologizing for that. We're, that claim is exclusive. There's no other ism, there's no other, you know, entity or whatever that you can find wholeness. It is only in Jesus that that is available. And so that's what we will proclaim, right? People find wholeness when they bring the brokenness in their lives to Jesus. He changes them through the gospel, and they share that change with those around them. That's part of the benediction that we say every Sunday. All right, now if you're new here at Chapel Rock, if it's your first time, when we conclude our service, we say a benediction together. And it's a reminder of this process, this mission. It, you're not part of a cult, relax. Okay, it's just, it can be a little weird at first. Like everybody knows this and they all say this. It's a reminder of what we're about, all right? It just reminds us as we leave that this is what we're doing. So this process is an ongoing process that will only be complete in heaven. It, we know this, we recognize this, that true wholeness really only comes when we're with Jesus forever, this is a process. It starts here, and it will be completed when Christ returns. So until that day comes, we believe that the Lord has positioned Chapel Rock in a strategic middle place between the city and the suburbs on the west side of Indianapolis. This is where God put us. God only has one church at 2020 North Girls School Road, right? We need to be that church, not some other church. We're going to be us. And, and for that reason... We will not rest until Jesus uses Chapel Rock to put broken lives and families and neighborhoods back together again in wholeness. That's the vision, right? That's this great big picture that motivates us. That's what I want God to use me, and I want God to use you to accomplish. Now let's speak the truth to one another. In love today, that's hard. That's tough. And the idea that we could somehow just crank that out in a couple weeks is utter foolishness. I don't know about you, but I need some kind of big goal out there. I, I need that. It, it kind of kicks me in the backside a little bit. Like, come on, go, man, go. It's motivating to me. This is not going to be an easy thing to do. It's going to take a while, and that's okay, because Jesus is in this for the long haul. That's our big idea this morning, that God's long-term project is to recreate a whole community for us to dwell in with him. That's what God... Huh? Thank you. <laughs> Every time you hear that, you need to pray. That sound doesn't happen when everything's hunky-dory. Right? They don't do that when they're delivering a box of long donuts to someone. So when you hear that, you should pray. God, I don't know what's going on, but you do. And we just ask you to be present in that situation. In Jesus' name, amen. See, when we see this, it's real tempting to just go, oh, yeah, heaven. I, sure, I get it. And that, yes, that is the penultimate resolution. That's where this is headed. 
But by no means is that the Lord's intent for us to just kind of gut it out until we get there. None of, none of you have ever gotten to take a road trip with my dad. But sometimes that was, <laughs> just stick it out. We're almost there. Just hang on. Right? I heard that growing up. I love my father. Respect him deeply. But I heard that a bunch. I got I, I to gotta stop. No, you don't. Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, just gut it out. This is not God's intent. God's intent is not for you to just gut it out until we get there. Right? He is calling us to live in this temporary tension and work toward the permanent resolution. To experience as much of that permanent resolution, even in the midst of the tension, as we can here. I think that's what Paul is saying, or what he's getting at, in part, at least, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Look at this. May God himself, the God of peace, right, that's shalom, that's wholeness, sanctify you through and through. The word sanctify there is the, is the process that the Holy Spirit does in your life. Once you accept Christ as Savior and Lord, you're baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit into you, right? It's the process that the Holy Spirit does of making you holy and whole. I'm going to say that again because I know some of you take notes. Sanctification is the process of the Holy Spirit in you making you holy and whole. He says, may he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, that's everything you are, right? The mission of Jesus is not just to make you holy enough to get through those pearly gates. That's, not, that's a very weak view of the mission of Jesus. Does he do that? Yes. But so much more. So much more. He makes your mind holy and whole. He makes your body holy holy and whole. Now, one day that'll be complete in its fullness in heaven, but I believe he's doing it now. This is a process that we're going through now. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Listen, church, we are called to this. Wholeness is a calling from God. We're called to this. The process of restoring the world is a calling from God. It's part of our mission. So for the time being, we experience this temporary tension, the brokenness that we all have to deal with, as we long for and work for the permanent resolution of wholeness. So that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about tension and resolution. The tension, thankfully, praise God, is temporary. I love the way that Leland Riken describes this tension in the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. I don't know what your budget is for good resources for Bible study, but if you can spare 25 bucks, you should spend it on that book. It's called the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. Big, fat, honking reference book. I guarantee it's thicker than your dictionary. It, it's a whopper, and it's fantastic. And in it, there's an article on wholeness. And what they, what they, like, they take the images in Scripture. So like tree or river or the, the way that the Bible uses these images and they kind of track them out through the Old and New Testament. It's beautiful, beautiful resource. Fantastic thing uh, for your, your study and growth. There's an article on wholeness. And in that article, uh, Leland Riken writes this. The dominant picture of human wholeness in a fallen world is that it requires struggle and is always precarious, in constant danger of being lost. Paul's benedictory prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 is hopeful but realistic. It takes the power of the God of peace to effect our wholeness and to keep us until Christ's coming. 
He goes on to say that although we are complete in Christ, we've come to the fullness of life in him, Colossians 2.10. We are restored as friends of God, family of God, Galatians 4 and Colossians 1. We can limit the impact of that intimacy by our disobedience, John 14.21, by our lack of discipline, 1 Corinthians 9.27, by our lack of faith, Hebrews 11.6, by our lack of endurance, Hebrews 10. 32 and following. It's this tension that we experience. We, we live in a world where we're constantly experiencing different tensions. One of the tensions that we live in is the tension of th this idea of being in the middle place, right? One of the things that's unique about Chapel Rock and the privilege that God has given us is that we're kind of, we're kind of between the city and the suburbs. Like when my house was built in 1967, this was the suburbs. It's not now, but there's still some elements of that in the area that linger, right? But we're outside the interstate loop, and there's elements of urban life here, but it's not totally just completely urbanized. It's, it's this weird middle place. And I think for a long time, it was just like, what do we do with that? And I think God is calling us to embrace that. Now, it involves some tensions, but these are, these are good things. These can be helpful things, right? Think about it. You know, the beach is the middle place between the land and the sea. People love the beach, right? The mountains are the middle place between the earth and the sky. People love the mountains, right? Dawn and dusk are the middle places between day and night. And when people describe those times, they use words like special and magical. You know, <laughs> what's the best part of an Oreo? The middle! <laughs> It's, it's a good thing, but that requires you, it's just going to create some tensions. One of that is the, the tension of being in the middle. The other is just kind of the tension between the now and the not yet. That God says we are something that by grace that we're not yet fully experiencing in our daily life. It's kind of, it's one, you'll be this one day, and it's your job to grow toward it. You're not there yet. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, right? The, the good I know I ought to do, I don't do, and the evil I know I shouldn't do, that's what I find myself doing. I'm a wretch, right? He, he's experiencing this tension between the now and the not yet. So when our church leaders were fleshing out this vision of the whole community holding Christ, you know, we were asking the question, well, who is, who is God calling us to reach? How, who are people that, that are experiencing these tensions that we, we think about? And a lot of churches put a lot of effort into like demographic studies. And listen, I'll be the first one. I order them. When new census data came out, yeah, order the study. I want to know who, who lives around here, right? But that can't be all of it. It just, it can't be dominated by that. And there are some churches, and I'm not casting blame or aspersions or anything like that. Just that's the way they are. That's where they are. It's what they do. But they're like, yeah, our, our target who we're trying to reach is a, you know, a 32-year-old guy uh, whose wife works, you know, like 30 hours a week uh, for the insurance, and they've got 1.8 kids and 4.6 dogs and a mortgage. And like, okay, you can do that. But when you look at the demographics, like the area around us, I'm not making this up. There's a chart of diversity, and over here is like none, and over here is like all, and we're like here. We're just about off the charts. How in the world do you do this? How do you identify, like, we're going after this kind of person in an area that's that crazy diverse, and you, what you do is you ignore demographics and you embrace psychographics. 
Not the way people look, not the, how much money they make, not who they vote for, not where they shop, but how they think which is what, and how they feel, which is what we've done. And so our target is this. It's people who know things that aren't right but want them to be. That's who we're trying to reach. And that doesn't matter what color your skin is. And that doesn't matter who you vote for. And that doesn't matter how much money you make. Because if you think your life is just hunky-dory, why do you need Jesus? You know? I mean, if that's where you're at, if you came in here today and you're like, everything is beautiful, like, what are you doing? I don't know about you, but I recognize there's a gap between Jesus and me. <laughs> and he's calling me closer to him, right? And, and so the people that we're trying to reach are people who know things aren't right, either in themselves or in their community, but they want them to be. And that creates some tensions, right? There are a few of these tensions. The first is this, the, the tension associated with bringing our brokenness to Jesus. We are inherently broken, right? We, we all experience this, this split between action and identity, right? Is, is there anybody in this room who perfectly lives out your philosophy 100% of the time? Don't raise your hand. Because that would, then you'd be lying and you'd be doing it in church, which is twice as bad. It's don't lie anywhere, no matter where you are. But we feel this tension, right, between I, I don't always live up to who I say I want to be. I live in a community where people don't do that. And so the brain tension is people who don't always live an authentic life, but they want to. We all want, like, we want this. So there's the, this is this tension that we all deal with. There's a, a tension associated with changing, too. Because we live in a place with off-the-charts diversity, that with our community, we feel this tension of ethnic and socioeconomic and political and religious diversity. That can lead to isolation and division. But we all long for this safe and peaceful place to live. Right? So the, the change tension is people that don't live in a totally unified community, but they want to. Like, I'd love to live in a community where we never heard sirens. That'd be great, right? That's not where we live. Did you know that today is Peace Officers Memorial Day? You know why we have police? Because of this. If we were completely unified and we all loved each other perfectly all the time, that we wouldn't need that job. But, but we don't. <laughs> and so we want to take a second and appreciate those who work hard to maintain civil order. If you are in law enforcement, have family members who are, we just want to thank you. Would you stand, please? Um, we have some who are doing that. Thank you. You heard the sirens earlier. <laughs> this is why we need them, right? And, and then there's also a tension associated with sharing. <laughs> we have seven kids. We've had to teach our kids lots of stuff. Teach them how to tie their shoes. Teach them how to brush their teeth. Teach them how to get ready in the morning, right? Teach them how to make their bed. Still working on that one. Um, you know what we've not had to teach them how to do? Be selfish. Just comes natural. <laughs> you don't have to give kids selfishness lessons. They, they do it all on their own. We're generally, as human beings, self-oriented. And so with our community, we feel the tension of having to care for the pragmatic concerns of daily life, right? 
but we know that every one of us has a gift to share with the community. And so this, this tension that we feel is there are people out there who they don't always make a difference for others, but they want to. They want to be thought of as good people, right, who help their community. There's these tensions that we feel. They're temporary. One day we're going to live in a place where none of those tensions are our are, are normal reality. But for right now, that's where we live. And so until you're willing to admit your own brokenness and acknowledge this tension, you're not going to get better. Every counselor in the world will tell you that until someone is willing to confront the issue, they're not going to get better. It's like the old joke. Do you know how many psychiatrists it takes to change a light bulb? One. But the light bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> boys, you'll get that later. It's okay. <laughs> my, my boys looked at Debbie like, what? Um... I, this is the tension I think that the psalm writer felt in Psalm 73. In verse 25 it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is, my, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What's the psalm writer saying there? It's like, God, I want you, I, but I, I mess up. It's what Jesus said in the garden. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's this tension. There's this recognition. I, I want this, but I'm, I'm not there yet. Chapel Rock, our vision is designed to specifically address that tension that people feel. And, and to step right into that, that place. And, and so what it's designed to do is help us work toward the ultimate and, and permanent resolution. And the way that it addresses the tension is by, by drawing people, drawing that resolution, that, that temp, permanent resolution a little bit closer. That's God's response to the tension that we feel. He, he creates this permanent resolution to the tension. Now, this is not like a resolution from the United Nations, which, as we all know, does nothing. No, God's resolution to the tension is actually effective, Let's, let's look at where it's going to go so we can map out our next move. God's intent for us as social beings living in community is that justice and service and compassion would define our communal life. They don't now, do they? They should, but they don't. One day they will. When we're in heaven, you will not hear sirens. You will not hear crying. You will not hear, ow! One day. And our mission here is to take that permanent resolution to tension and draw it as much as possible into the here and now. Until that day comes, we're supposed to work to experience as much of it here as we possibly can. So that we're ready for then, and, and, and this creates in our community a longing for the not yet in the now. God's plan, his shalom project, his purpose to heal our brokenness and hold, bring wholeness into our lives is not just a someday thing, it's a two-day thing. A big part of God's wholeness plan is to change our community. And he tells us that the ultimate resolution is, he tells us this so that we know what to aim for, right? His ultimate aim is to recreate and restore and rebuild and repurpose communities to fit his vision of wholeness. Here's his vision of what a whole community, whole in Christ, looks like. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning or death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In Marilyn Robinson's Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Gilead, two elderly pastors are talking. And one of them, Bufton, says that he has more and more ideas about heaven every day. (laughs) He said, mainly, I just think about the splendors of this world and multiply by two. He said, I'd multiply by 10 or 12 if I had the energy, but two is more than sufficient. (laughs) So he's just sitting there multiplying the feel of the, the wind by two. The smell of fresh cut grass by two. The taste of fresh baked bread by two. And we do that. When we think about heaven, when we think about the glories that will be, we, we, we tend to do that. When we read passages from Revelation about the city and its description, and we tend to just go, wow, think about that. Streets paved with gold. Right? The text says that the gate is a single pearl, not pearly, not like encrusted with pearls. It's a single giant pearl. I don't know if God uses it like a stopper in a bottle or what. If it splits open, it doesn't matter. The gates will never be shut. The way it's described literally, it's 1,400 miles cubed. It's, it's amazing, and we get so wound up about that that we miss the emphasis in the text is not on the architecture, church. It's on the populace. The emphasis in Revelation is not on the architecture of the new heavens and the new earth. It's on the people who live there. Did you catch that? See, the cities we know, the city we're familiar with, is built for privacy and safety and traffic flow and commerce, and I want you to imagine a city where none of that matters. Imagine a city where love is pervasive, where service comes naturally, worship is on every tongue, where we traffic among angels and are always within sight of the throne of God, where life grows on trees and runs in the river. See, the mind-blowing thing here is the emphasis in the text is not on the physical aspects of the city. It's on the people. The dwelling of God is in people. And yes, he dwells in in the city, but it's because he dwells in his people. The text says this is a new heavens and a new earth. And the Greek word for new here, kine, in the text means new in quality, new in kind, not just new in time. It's not just recent. This doesn't say the second heaven and second earth. This says new. It's brand new. It's of a newer and better and higher order than the old one. See, when you take the broad sweep of the book of Revelation... Especially chapter 1, verse 3, which the NIV translates, blessed is the one who takes to heart the words of this prophecy. That's a horrible translation. Take to heart, ah, no, it should be keep. And it's keep in the sense of obey. How do you obey a prophecy? Well, if you think that prophecy is about telling the future, I don't know how you do that. But if you think prophecy is about telling you how to live now, then you can. This is telling us how to live now. What we should be working for now. 
Part of God's plan to create a permanent resolution to the tensions we feel here is for us to be at work creating that kind of environment, that kind of community here. We're called to help create this new thing to overcome the tension we feel. And I believe that the Lord has been at work behind the scenes over the last couple of years to just kind of blow away all the obstacles that we've faced in doing this. We've articulated this vision back in early 2018 of the whole community whole in Christ. And at the time, I was just thought, how is this even going to happen? I was looking at just the situation and some of the obstacles that the church was facing and just going, how in the world are we going to do this? <laughs> There's this saying that says we often overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five. And I think we way, way, way underestimated God. Can I tell you about a couple things he's doing? Um, some weeks ago, I don't remember exactly how many it was, I, I told you uh, that one of our members who'd, who'd gone to be with the Lord in the last uh, couple years uh, designated a portion of their state to Chapel Rock. And we told you that this was, you know, going to significantly change the amount of time it, um, it's going to take us to pay off our long-term debt and not have any debt anymore. Uh, that, that gift ended up being bigger, a lot bigger than we originally thought. It took some time for the paperwork to come in and, uh, and, uh, and all the stuff to happen. Uh, and it was a little bit of a, are you kidding me? Um, wow, God. Whoa. So the elders are meeting today at 1. And we're going to make the final decision on how to allocate those resources because God just kind of blew us out of the water with this. So at 1 o'clock today, would you be in prayer for your elders? Uh, I think I know where that's going to go. We've had email discussions round, round about. Like, I think everyone's on the same page, but it just we want to get around the table and talk about it and make sure. Um, but this is going <laughs> to, it's going to change our church's uh, story pretty, pretty dramatically and pretty fast. Uh, we thought we had some time to plan, like what happens when this all works out, and God says, you got very little time, get on it. I, I, I think that the Lord has just kind of, just like a trailblazer, just clearing the path. Like, go, come on, Chapel Rock, go. Let's let, let's get moving. That's one thing. So, God is allowing us, I think, to get a little taste of His permanent resolution. How are we going to share that with our community? Well, that's the second thing. Um, many of you have been part of an appreciative inquiry meeting. We've had a group in the church that go around and talking about people's experience with Chapel Rock, and I know like several hundred members of our, our, our body have been part of this. Um, the, the purpose, where that ultimately is going, is to, in partnership with Mission Indy, to launch a community development corporation. So this is something we learned from our sister congregation, Inglewood Christian Church, over on the east side, that will allow us to do some things in the community to bring shalom, to bring wholeness and healing to the community in ways that churches can't but a, a CDC, Community Development Corporation. So when you hear me say that, I'm not talking about Fauci, just chill, okay? It's Community Development Corporation allows us to do some things in the community that it's, it's tougher for churches to do. And this is, it's a tool, it's a resource that God is, is giving us and he's been leading us and we've had volunteers who are part of this, helping you know, create this uh, grant, write a grant to be part of it. I, it's, it's awesome, guys. And I, I don't have all the details and even if I did, I, I wouldn't have time to, to give them to you all. But what God is doing that enables us to, to bring healing and wholeness in the community is a powerful, powerful 
tool in our tool belt that we're going to have very soon. And so next Sunday night, uh, next Sunday is a big day, okay? Um, do not miss church next Sunday, and here's why. Uh, in, in, the, in the service, we'll have kind of a mini informal congregational meeting. Roger's going to join me on stage, and we're going to talk about what the elders decide today and kind of map out a plan forward, at least a rough sketch for you. Do not miss next Sunday. Sunday night from 5.45 to 6.45, and the reason for the weird time is that that lets parents drop their kids off for groups, be here for an hour, pick their kids up, go home. That's why that time frame exists, right? We're going to have a time of prayer for discernment for the, the CDC, Community Development Corporation, and pray that God would guide us through this appreciative inquiry process. And so if you've been part of those groups, you're invited to be here in this room from 5.45 to 6.45 uh, a week from tonight. Even if you haven't, you're invited. If you just want to come pray with us and if you're excited about this possibility and maybe interested in how you can serve alongside with that, it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing God is doing here. I am so, so grateful and so excited for this. My point is that in order to help our community experience God's permanent resolution to our brokenness and make us whole, I believe that God has just been obliterating the obstacles that stood in Chapel Rock's path. And he's like, go, come on, go. Thank you. So, you gonna go? Because if we are faithful to Jesus, God will finish his restoration process that we're currently in the middle of. I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. This speaks to me. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God has been so faithful to us, Chapel Rock. He's been faithful to you because he died on the cross in your place for your sins. He will not give up on you no matter how much you struggle, no matter how much tension you feel. He is not going to give up on you. He is calling you to wholeness today. He's faithful. He will do it. It's on him. You don't have to do this. It's on him. He's going to do it. But he isn't just calling you. He's calling us. He's calling the whole community. Did you hear me? God's long-term project is to create a whole community for us to dwell in with him forever. For now, there's tension. We can experience God's resolution of it, though, as Jesus makes us whole and uses us to extend that wholeness to others, to make them eagerly desire that which will last into eternity. So how are you going to respond? Well, if you've never experienced the wholeness that comes from knowing Christ personally, I would urge you today to, to change that, change your status immediately. In just a second, we're going to stand and sing together, and you are invited, to, even as we sing, to come forward and, and name Christ as Savior and Lord. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus. Confess him as Lord and, and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit to live inside you. Make you whole. Maybe today you've got something going on in your life. There's some tension. And you're like, I don't even know how God's going to resolve this. Want us to pray with you. We'd love to do that. If you've been here for this whole series, you kind of got a crash course in, in who we are. And, and we're kind of letting that serve as our wired class. So if you've been here through this and you've been baptized, you've been immersed, and, and you want to say, yeah, I want to be part of this journey with Chapel Rock and want to place your membership, you, even though you haven't been through wired, it's okay. Just come. You can do that today. And we got some resources we'll give you. We'll clean up the details later. But we would invite you to come forward and, and place your membership 
and, and covenant with this body to be part of that journey. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and you respond as God leads you today.